Hopefully there will always be the boutique grower. Hopefully there will always be a, a space for us. Welcome to Far North Tokers. Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 96, July 1st, 2018, with your host, Mid Hooker. Thank you all for listening. I want to thank everyone for keeping tuned in during this time away from Alaska. Been meeting lots of new people seeing what cannabis looks like across the states. It's been really nice seeing who's ahead of us, seeing how that's working, seeing what we're going to look like in a few years, seeing who's right with us, and seeing those states that are just getting started, knowing where they're going to be in a few years. Oh, so much hope. Golden age, my friends. Feels so good to be back behind this mic. The Blue Yeti got a chance to record sitting out in a pretty nice spot sitting in the garage good sounds though mm. today I'm gonna bring you the story of mr. Dodd small medical grower in Oregon being pushed out by these new recreational regulations they started with a medical market there he was able to collect people's medical cards and grow for them give them a certain amount of cannabis from his grow, take it to the dispensary, sell it to them. He had four people's cards. When Rec comes along, cuts it in half. He's only allowed to grow half of those plants for two people. You know how it is. Regs, taxes, worries me a little bit. It seems like they used the small guy to get the things going while, everything, while things were risky. Now it's all safe. Big coming in, cleaning up all the little guys. It was great talking to Mr. Dodd, but also sad for too. You're going to hear a hard-working man. He loves doing what he's doing. Hardest he's ever worked, he says. He's waited tables, trimmed, got some good stories in there. Also proudly being sponsored by Good Cannabis. They've got the 707 headband. Headband keeps coming up in the stories. What's so special about 707 headband? What's so special about headband? You're going to find out today. A couple different angles. It's not just the cannabis at good. It's community service. Community gardens. Stone soup. Thank you for being part of the community. Thank you for being part of Far North Tokers. Good cannabis. Go check out the 707 headband. Tell me what you think. Lots of reviews online, Leafly, Weed Maps. Go see for yourself. I know I like it. Mid Toker Uproot. Support those that are supporting Far North Tokers. Lots of ways to support the show. Share it, talk about it. You can even advertise. Now let's get to Mr. Dodd, old friend of Mid Toker. I am here with Mr. Dodd, 
This is some serious Far North Tokers Mobile. Yes, indeed. I have come across a grower in Oregon who um, learned the trade in Cali. Yep, California, Ukiah. And came, I, you are underground now because of the legal market that drove you out. Were you ever involved in legal market here in Oregon? Yes. So what, okay. So then, <laughs> so the way Oregon regs took place was you were a lot, medical was first. So describe how you got involved in the medical cannabis industry in Oregon. Well, basically, you just fill out your application to get your medical card, and you start growing six plants per card. And, and there was no cap on how many cards you could have per house. They put a cap on it now. But then you could sell it to anyone? You could sell it to the dispensaries. Without any license or just by filling out that one card? Yeah, you, you, just, have a medical you had to card. just pay taxes on your own, like, you know... But um, all so you had to do was take... a medical card. You could walk in there and sell them weed and walk out with a check or cash. Were a lot of dispensaries doing that? Yeah, that's how it was done. And so if you were a good grower and they knew you, you would go in and bring your pound of weed to dispensary, medical, medical dispensary, and just like cultivators do in all the other states now. Yeah. Shit. You must have felt you must have felt really good. Right now we're walking out into his awesome garden. Getting out of the wind. Oh. <laughs> Professional sound studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is my pod. Look at that. Ah, <laughs> oh, picking up some good shit now. <laughs> We've got some white Tahoe cookies, which is, I think it's kismet, I think is what they would say. That you are starting to grow white Tahoe cookies as a new addition to your line here. And I just so happened to buy some up in Washington. I asked, yeah, what are the chances of that? What? I asked the guy, what is your favorite? I asked the bud tender, what is your favorite strain here? Because I always love asking bud tenders what their favorite is because they, they know, right? They see it all yeah, coming in. They all. see it all. And he says white Tahoe cookies. It gives me couch lock, but I can still be activated. He said it's a great video game or movie thing where you're um don't you can still be doing stuff but you don't want to move around. <laughs> I like that. I feel that right now. I'm feeling that. <laughs> so that's that's great. So you know you're gonna have a good um you know you're gonna have a good strain coming up. Yes. Yeah I just got the two babies. I just cloned them. So I'll be throwing them in this fall, probably. I'll be seeing them around Christmas time. I'll be seeing the finished product of the cookies. With having, the white Tahoe cookies. With having such a nice um, place to record right now, i got to start over. Okay. So I'm here with Mr. Dodd. Ex-medical... I'm not going to say that, because you still grow medically. I do. 
but it's not, it's in an unregulated way right now. Yes. What year in Oregon became medically legal? Medically legal? Yeah, medically. Oh, I'm not sure what year they did that. That was, that was in the early 2000s. Legal cannabis in Oregon, a look at the state's pot history. 1973, Oregon becomes the first state to decriminalize possession of small amounts of marijuana, making it a ticket more akin to a traffic offense. 1998, Oregon voters approve marijuana for medicinal use. The program allows people with certain qualifying medical conditions to grow their own marijuana or have someone to do it for them. Patients in the program are allowed to possess up to three mature plants, four immature plants, and up to one ounce of marijuana. 2004, Oregon voters reject ballot measures that would allow retail sales of medical marijuana to patients. 2005, Oregon legislature increases the possession and plant limits under the medical marijuana program. Patients can possess up to 24 ounces and grow a total of six mature plants and 18 immature ones. The legislature also creates grow site registry and a card for people responsible for the grow site. The law includes a provision allowing growers to be reimbursed for the cost of utilities and supplies, but not labor. 2010. For a second time, Oregon voters turned down a ballot measure that would allow retail sales of medical marijuana. 2012. Oregon voters reject Measure 80, a marijuana legalization effort that set no limits on personal possession and cultivation for people 21 and older. 2012. Oregon lawmakers approve medical marijuana dispensary registry system, regulating an already robust retail market for medical cannabis. The legislator makes it a misdemeanor for possessing more than one ounce or less than four ounces, previously considered a felony. The legislature also repeals a law that suspended the driver's license of a person cited for possessing less than an ounce of marijuana. 2013. The Oregon legislature passes law allowing local governments to impose moratoriums on medical marijuana dispensaries for up to a year. Lawmakers also required the Oregon Health Authority to draft rules addressing labeling and packaging of marijuana-infused edibles to make them unattractive to children. 2014, Oregon voters say yes to legal marijuana. Two years after Colorado and Washington did the same. The law allows anyone 21 and older to possess and grow marijuana, and it creates a taxed and regulated system for retail sales. Same year as Alaska. July 1st, 2015. Changes to the criminal statutes take effect. People 21 and older will be allowed to possess up to one ounce of marijuana in a public place and up to eight ounces in their home. The law also allows up to four marijuana plants per household. January 1st, 2016. The Oregon Liquor Control Commission must have rules in place for the production, processing, and sale of marijuana. January 4th, 2016. State must begin receiving licensing applications for production, processing, and sale of marijuana. The law does not specify when the state must begin issuing a license or when stores will open. Marijuana advocates expect stores to open sometime in the first half of 2016. Noel Crombie Not yet. When I moved here in 2006, medical, they already had medical. So you came here with, and the system was already set up and you just took advantage of assist, an opportunity. Yes. And that you could get, if you had a medical card, you get your medical card, you're allowed to grow plants, 
what was the what was the limit on plants at that time? Six plants per medical card. Six plants per medical card. And there was no limit on how many medical cards you could have. And we'll, we'll explain that, because when you were telling me that earlier, I didn't quite understand it, but I understood it later. What you can be a grower for people. So they can give you their medical card, and then they get weed from you. you know, and you would just charge them whatever? Or yeah, but they get, you know, they get a really good price, you know. Uh-huh. And that's, they would be considered your patients. And then, uh, but then, and then your extra you would sell to the dispensaries. Okay, so they weren't necessarily getting all of it. They weren't getting all of it, no. But they were like getting basically like a, I guess you could say it's just like a buying a seat at the table to get a good deal. Were they understanding that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did anyone ever say, "Hey, where's my six plants?" No. Uh-uh. So it was completely understood that you were getting a rate. Yes. of cannabis by having this car giving someone else your proxy yeah awesome what was the price do you remember what your proxy prices were to the dispensaries no to like someone who um, oh yeah so you would give them like an ounce a month they would that's, give- that's what it yeah See, I'm not. I'm, I'm better at talking about how the actual growing of the we can edit this out I'm actually better at talking about the growing I'm not good with this good with the laws and regulation okay. stuff. But, but you did it for a little bit. But I did. And so that was what it was. They would get, when you would get someone's card uh-huh. and you would be their caregiver, it was called, you would basically give them an ounce a month. Nice. And that's and that was what, you know, they would get for giving That was the trade. Card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would pay the $200 a year. But that was, month. that was kind of off the books too. Like that, there was no regulation in that. Yeah, right? they just, not, yeah, that was just understood that you did it that way. Well, you worked it out with them or whatever. Yes. You just case by case. Oh uh, yeah, right. So some people were getting more, some just like anything, like yeah. any kind of who you knew and and, and your relationship with the person that's growing for you. Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. Unregulated. How many? Um, do you remember how many cards you had at one time growing for? I had four cards. Four cards. Yeah, twenty-four plants. Twenty-four. So six. That. Because <clears throat> in Alaska, we that's what it ended up being six. Also, I guess they figure six plants can get is enough cannabis for one person. Is that for medical or um, recreational? It is recreational. Recreational is four here. We can have three, three in flower, three in veg. Okay. And then per person, up to a maximum of twelve. All right. So if you have four adults living in your house, it doesn't matter that way just same here yes per house it's just four plants per house for recreation four plants per house yeah for so recreation for medical it's six is that two and two then or do they count no it's just it can be one person or 20 people it's four plants per house well i mean like um is it then two in flower and two in veg they oh no um or just from the whole beginning? that's a good question i'm not sure about how the Veg. Probably that way. But yeah, I'm not sure about the veg ended up. I know you can't have four in flower. You can't have four like plants in a flower. That's a better rule. Because some you might not want to keep going. Like mm-hmm. you're saying that's that's a terrible plant. Yeah. So and then what were you what were you selling to the dispensary for when you first started? Twenty four. Twenty four hundred. Yeah. And that was pretty because you didn't have a lot of overhead and you weren't did, then you had to pay tax on it? Yes. What was the... Do you remember a tax rate on that? No. I don't remember a tax rate on that. Uh, um, I, I ended up... I, it was like 20% in that neighborhood. We're doing... 
what is it, 20, well, it's 800 pound, so it kind of is like that, right? If it's 800 pound and then 20%. Yeah. yeah four, that would be a 4,000 dollar pound. Oh, yeah, and is that what they're getting up there, about 4,000? When they started, you're going you're gonna to die. You right here, this number? Okay. They were getting like 7,500 pounds, 8,000 pounds. Oh my god. Yeah. I can't imagine that, that would change my life. Those first couple months, it was sick. Wow. Like there was one person down um, Great Land Dungeon out yeah. of like Homerlands. Yeah. I believe he's out of Homer. He, he was one of the only people in the state that had a lot of cannabis and he was selling it to all the different places, but it was top price. Wow. It was a, we bought our first pound off working in the retail for five grand. It was the first, and it wasn't, you know, it's like twelve percent. Shops around here are not paying twelve hundred for um, of really good cannabis or medium or yeah, I would say uh, yeah, twelve hundred a pound. Yeah, it's crazy. No, the growers are hurting. Big time in Oregon. That's, that's just what's going to happen to everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Once these, once you get so many hundred light operations or thousand light operations. How, when did you start? 2013. Five years ago. Holy shit, man. See, I, I, I keep saying over and over again that we need to look at these other states. Like in Alaska, I keep saying, we need to look at what's happening in California and Oregon and Washington and, and Colorado because this is what happened to us. Mm -hmm. And you are a perfect example. Five mm -hmm. years ago, you started. Did you feel like you were doing really well then? I did, but wrong? at the same time, I was hearing how they were getting 38 just a couple years before, and it, was hurt. it, it hurt to be down to 24. And then we were getting two, and that hurt. And then as you keep getting lowered, and you keep... Why Why is the price going down? More growers? Yeah, there's just too many growers. There's too many big, giant farms, and just, like, way more weed that can be consumed in the state. So there's, like, you know, there was an article in the paper that growers have weed just rotting on the shelves while they owe millions of dollars. <laughs> just waiting to be sold to retails? Yeah, yeah, they can't sell it. Because they're, they're just, they're the retail, the dispensaries are full. I hope that other states are looking seeing what's happening. Well, like, we, we had this conversation earlier, and I'll, I'll say it again, and you're going to say you're gonna say the same thing, and you need to. But I hope the other states look at what's happening here and, and have just limited growers. Yeah, they need to put a cap on it. But what's happening on the East Coast? Uh, they're doing the opposite. The opposite? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going in the wrong direction. I think in New York, they I saw a news show, they... They may have given out like two licenses, literally two in the whole state, and they're going to be major operations. And two operations give all that money. Yeah. And how were they picked? And it, 
Oh, yeah. yeah. And just think about the strains. Like, being in a limited row, you have the choice. Okay, you're going to choose white Tahoe cookies. Mm-hmm. We might end up just with all what Girl Scout cookie and what is going to be. We'll have oh, you mean like oh yeah 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 yeah. And then we'll only have like four different strains. We'll have Coke and Pepsi and yeah, that is the way we'll go. Hopefully, there will always be the boutique grower. Hopefully, there will always be a, a space for us. It's just getting harder and harder, isn't it? It is, and that's definitely the way it's going, man. Big. And corporations twelve hundred pound to retail retail stores from cultivators, mm-hmm. regulated cultivators. Yours is sixteen, fifteen? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. Comes with another part of risk though. Yes. Oh, uh, we were just talking about are you worried about getting broken into? And yes, but yeah. no. <laughs> You're not protected. You don't have the same protections. Yeah. What what led you to go this way? Why did you um why did you stop being in a regulated market? Well just the uh, uh I just got squeezed out. Got squeezed out. I mean once they started, you know once the recreation came in. That was that. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. So what happened when recreation? That is when they put a cap on um, medical grows to where you can only have no more than six plants per household, or 12 plants per household, two cards per house. Um, and that's really hard to make a living off of just 12 plants. And you were only doing 24. Yeah. Double that. Mm-hmm. Which was already difficult. But to cut that in half was impossible. And it really just squeezed all small people out mm-hmm. and made for the big outdoor growers kind of. Yep. yep. And indoor warehouses too, you know. What are the big companies here in Oregon? What are they? Oh man, I can't even think of them off the top of my head. Uh, I, just, I keep thinking of one that got in trouble. True North was a really big company when I first started. And they were the first big company to go down. They were in all the dispensaries, and they were not playing by the rules, and they got popped. What rules were they breaking? What were they doing? Just not paying taxes, probably. Yeah, not paying taxes. I forget what all it was. Bringing in... Steve Elliott, Hemp News. February 13th, 2016. Oregon. DEA investigates cannabis oil company True North Extracts. The owners of True North Extracts, a Portland company which sells CO2 cannabis oil, are being investigated by the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration, according to a federal search warrant affidavit. The homes of True North's owners, Michael Andrew Dillon and Michael Corby, were searched by the DEA after Multnomah County Sheriff's Office shut down the company's extraction facility in Wood Village, saying the warehouse violated building and fire codes. True North's vape pen cartridges are sold at medical marijuana dispensaries. The company advertises its products as free of chemical solvents. True North products are designed by anyone looking for a completely clean and gentle experience that benefits mind, body, and soul, the company's website reads. In the search warrant affidavit from December 23rd, DEA agent Trayson Larson said True North had only enough Oregon medical marijuana program 
registration cards to supply a few patients, yet had more than 50 pounds of CO2 oil. Larson also wrote she suspected Dylan and Corby of money laundering and endangering human life while illegally manufacturing controlled substances, both federal felonies. I believe that Michael Corby, Michael Dillon, and facility manager David Daly are still participating in an illegal marijuana hashish oil manufacturing and distribution business and are trying to use the OMMP as a legal smokescreen for their operation, Larson wrote. No charges have yet been filed. Dillon's lawyer said Assistant U.S. Attorney Pat Ayers told him there won't be any criminal charges. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Oregon declined to comment on the status of the case. According to the federal affidavit, an investigation of True North began December 16th when a Wood Village code inspector asked for the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office to help in shutting down the company for fire code violations. Deputies asked to see the company's licenses, but employees couldn't find them. Company operators individually had enough OMMP registration cards to grow medical marijuana for just 12 patients, deputies told the DEA. True North employees, including manager David Daly, agreed to let deputies search the building. According to the affidavit, deputies discovered 2,000 grams of finished hashish oil in vials and another 50 pounds of CO2 oil. Larson wrote in her December 23rd affidavit that records seized in the search show True North expected to make $1.2 million in 2015, with a net profit of 400000 She also said the search uncovered U.S. Postal Service shipping receipts for packages sent to Florida and California. Interestingly, butane hash oil, BHO, rather than CO2, was reportedly found at the homes of both owners. When agents searched Dillon's Portland home on December 28th, they seized financial records, a pistol, two rifles, BHO, and THC extract, according to a January 8th court filing. At Corby's home, they seized 312 marijuana plants, BHO, and processed marijuana. It's not my practice to comment on criminal cases, pending or not, even if we do not anticipate charges said Corby's attorney, Amy Margolis. Mr. Dillon remains confident that True North will soon be free to focus on what it's best known for, its expertise in crafting CO2-extracted oils preferred by medical marijuana patients around Oregon. At this point, their Instagram account, last post, December 2015. Facebook, January 2016. Twitter, January 2016. They haven't posted in a while. Not sure if True North exists anymore. Oh, Shango, that's a big one. Shango? Yeah. Is that? Is and I think they are actually like one of the first ones that's in different states too. I think they're going to be in California, Colorado. That's big when you start can when you can do that. Yeah. Do you have a light? Oh yeah. Got this huckleberry oh, yeah. from old Ramblin' Ranger. Huckleberry is tasty. I have enjoyed it. <laughs> I trade you. It's nice out here in the greenhouse, huh? Yeah, it's a beautiful sound. Like as soon as I walked in, I was like, oh man. A little bit warmer. Yeah, I'm gonna start hanging out out here. Definitely windy times. <coughs> <coughs> well, I guess it looks like it's gonna be so little bit. Huh? 
Did you guys use it to set up? Yeah, we haven't used it enough yet. I got like some seedlings in here that are going to be going out, just some vegetables. This will be good. This will be getting in order. I'm going to have it full soon. I'm going to get a lemon tree to put out there and then we'll bring it in here in the wintertime. Awesome! Sticking with it though. <laughs> That's what you know how to do, right? Yeah. And what? Making money selling weed. Did you sell weed uh, before? Before in any kind of like just not, normal not really. shit, like get an ounce and keep half of it? Yeah, little shit like that, but nothing real, yeah. You weren't growing and selling. <coughs> <laughs> but how'd you learn how to grow? I went, to, I went down to California when I decided I wanted to. <coughs> get into it. I went down to California. I had a friend in California who had a farm in Ukiah, so I went down there and trimmed with him, and uh, just really liked it. And then went down and worked the season. He had a greenhouse and an outdoor, so I worked in his greenhouse and his outdoor. And then came back up here to Portland and set up shop. We started trimming first, right? Trimming first, yeah. What would you say your shop lady told you? We were talking about trimming. Oh yeah. Uh, she said, I forget how she worded it. She's like, but I see you sitting there destroying that bug. Put it in the bucket. Mm -hmm. Snip, snip, drop. Snip, snip, drop. <laughs> right. So it wasn't all about making it, pulling all those leaves off and <coughs> super trim. What? She was hardcore. She wanted it like that, but yeah, she didn't want to see you sitting there working too hard at it. Gotcha. She was Best tough. of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> Just make both of them better. She was tough. If she heard you talking too much and your scissors are not going, I don't hear any scissors over there. You did that for one year? Yeah. And by just hanging out at that farm, you'd learn? I went down there a couple trips trimming from from Portland, drove down a couple times. Mm -hmm. And then just getting to know the people and then um, the guy who worked at the farm, while I was going down trimming, he was leaving. So there was an opening and uh, I took it. That was the growing. Work. That was actually to be the worker there. Yeah, the growing. Yeah. So you were just trimming. Then I was watering, carrying buckets, and and just watching what was going on. Yeah. I guess you get up here and you it's medical, it's legal, and you just start growing at home, right? Mm -hmm. You hear, okay, I grow a pretty good bud, and um, I'll get someone else's card, and I grow a pretty good bud, and I can take this and sell it to the dispensary. Yeah, it was great. Oh shit! That's too good to be true. That had to be such a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was nice. It was. I don't think any other states went <coughs> that way, did they? Oregon was a very. I think California was like that. Uh, if you were medical in California, you, you could go to to the dispensaries and just sell your weed. Yeah. What was the experience like taking your weed into sell? Do you remember the first time you took it into sell the dispensary? Mm-hmm. No, it was not. It was. Did you know the person? Did you call them up and say, "Hey, I got some weed for you"? No, I didn't know the person. I I just went in and told them what I had, and he was familiar with the strain and what was it what strain did you uh, headband 707 <laughs> no shit is that one of your favorites it is one of my favorites yeah it's one of goods major lines is it yeah they grow <laughs> it I just um, one of my last shows we did a campfire and I 
seven oh seven headbands that we smoked. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, yeah, seven oh seven. Oh man! Yeah, this is magical meeting. From WikiLeaf about seven oh seven headband, an indica dominant hybrid strain. 707 headband gets its name from two very distinctive identifiers. The first one, the number 707, refers to an area code from the San Francisco Bay area of California, Humboldt County, which is where this strain first gained notice. The second one, the the word headband, is a direct reference to the effects this strain can have. Many users feel like they are quite literally wearing a headband. The exact nature of the strain's origins have been lost. No one knows exactly where it came from or who first bred it, though some claim it came from the breeder's lab. Still, that did not keep DNA genetics breeders from taking a crack at figuring out 707 headband's lineage. After a few rounds of tasting the full flavor of the strain and its effects, DNA genetics came to the conclusion that the strain was probably a cross between OG Kush and Sour Diesel. Most places specifically listed as a cross between a female OG Kush and Sour Diesel hybrid that was crossed with a male Sour Diesel. However, those claiming it came from the breeder's lab listed as a cross between New York City Diesel, OG Kush, and Master Kush. Often stated as needing anywhere between 9 and 11 weeks to flower, this strain can have a THC count of up to 24%. DNA Genetics have since released a strain based on the genetics they claim 707 Headband has. Many patients say it's almost the exact same taste and effect as 707 Headband has. DNA Genetics have dropped the 707 and call theirs simply Headband. So the common usage for this Anxiety, depression, nausea, loss of appetite, and pain. The effects, euphoria, relax, creativity, low on the headache and dizziness scale. Lots of stories. We heard what Mr. Dodd had to say. Can't wait to hear what Greg Allison has to say about 707 Headband at Good Cannabis. They do have quality strains. It's good to hear. The headband keeps coming up. More stories about what the strains are. Thank you, good cannabis for bringing it to Fairbanks. Can't wait to talk to you about what's going on there. My experiences with Headband, the first time I saw Headband, I actually bought from someone that the package was labeled medical cannabis in Alaska. This was 2013. Very shocked to see it. Medical cannabis, Headband. Some of the stonedest I've ever been off of strain. Took it to friends. Told them, you got to try this. They agreed. Then I had some Scooby Snacks headband with Marcy Luther with the buzz. We did a strain review with that. Mm. Then Good Cannabis comes along. Bring out their 707 headband. And then come to find out Mr. Dodd, that was his first sale. Oh, that's great. What a love story. Headband is becoming in Mid Toker's life. So he had, uh, I mean, he, he had heard of that and he was like very bad. Because there's a lot of headband around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just knockoffs. Like I was telling you earlier, they will. Headband 707 is Master Kush times Sour Diesel times OG Kush. And that was what the headband was. And so, although that's headband, you can't just go out and cross any Sour Diesel or any OG Kush and Master Kush. And you can do that and have headband, but it's not going to be the headband. 
that's... Well, how'd you get it? I got it from just, I know people who... I knew the guy in California who knew the guy who the headband came from, some guy in Ohio in the early 90s. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Is this from being on the, the road with the dead, yes. doing all that stuff? Yeah. Okay, so you, you've got a connection to the, the creator of headband. Mm-hmm. Like kind of, two, not really, but... Through, but through, yeah. through, through a couple people. Yes, mm-hmm. And so you were able to sell it that you had the 707 headband. Yeah. And once someone then they have to look at it and test it, and it's, you know, it's real. What, what do you mean? How, how do you look it at it? It has that fuel gas smell. It has that beautiful diesel gassy fuel smell that not all of them will have. But when you do get that smell, then you know you got the good one. I cannot wait to go back and test out the 707 headband. Right yeah. So I, I'm going to have to talk to them when I, I'm set to interview the manager where they had the 707 headband. It's all to see what they know about how they got the string and mm-hmm. where they got the string from. Yeah. Yeah, I ended up losing that string after a couple of years and I have a diff- I have a headband now. I showed you the headband earlier. Uh-huh. But that headband is not as good as my old headband, 707. That's one of the you know, knockoffs, I guess. It's still really good, but it's not like that one. So like back you, up, push, you, yeah. you call this dispenser. Was it a dispenser you liked? Or you just you knew they were buying? Or how, how did no, you I was just driving into dispensaries. Whatever just one pull was. Just pulling in. And was it the first one you went into? No, I don't think so, huh? Oh, some of them said no, they didn't want it? Well, some of them didn't, weren't buying weed then, or, you know, some... You had to be your salesman? Yeah. Did yeah. you have it in your car? Like, yeah. when you're driving around, you've, you've got the pound, and how much did you have? Oh, no, I wouldn't bring a pound with me, just like an ounce, you know, and then you would take it back. It'd be just a show, and then if they're interested, you come back. But Just like a regular thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Did you leave like samples with them and then come back? Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then, so your first sale, what was your first sale for? Um, I sold a pound to that dispensary for 24. Had to feel good. It felt great. Because you've just been, you've been trimming, you've been working, you've been being apprenticed down in California, you come up to back up to Oregon, you have your first crop, you did everything you're supposed to do, and you sold it for 2400 Yeah. Did you have, did you own, you got one pound or did you have more that you could go sell again? I had a few more that I could go sell. Awesome. Yeah. You're like, okay, you're, that's gold. Yeah. You're just sitting money in the bank. Yep. And was it easy just to go sell it again? Yeah, it was pretty easy then. It was. And then you well, just you had good product, start you growing again? It. Yeah. Did you ever have product that no one ever wanted? Like in a legal market, you could have failed tests. Well, yeah, I would know. There would be times when I wouldn't do that good, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, do that good? Well, you might get, you might get, uh, well, yeah, I, I had gotten powdery mildew a few right? times. That's just a fucking nightmare. Yes. Just a nightmare. You cry. Oh, <laughs> it's so sad to see a healthy crop, everything going good, and then something happened to it and there's nothing you can do. It's a horrible feeling. Do you just turn a concentrator or is all could kill Yeah. Concentrate is what ends up happening, yeah. yeah. No, I've never just killed all at one. I've never been able to just do that. 
But now I now that I've been in it for so long, I'm more of a I consider myself more professional now and like I just don't let anything happen anymore. I consider everything's about to happen. I consider that I all have powdery mildew and I have bugs and I treat the plants as if I have it. So that they can't get it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A failed test happens. I had a friend with a failed test, and it gets turned into concentrate, and he still pays the same amount of taxes on it, mm-hmm. and he makes like four hundred bucks for the pound. Uh, and what would it fail for for a pesticide or something? He failed for. Um, oh shit! Say a few things that something might fail for, like, like a. Abbott, like one of the was no, it wasn't a bug. It was like a like a spore, like a spore. The eagle, no. eagle funny. No, was it powdery mildew? Or? No, aspilagus spil- or a, a bud sp- rot. No, uh, something like asparagus, like almost just like asparagus, but not that. And right now, like UV light takes care of it. Uh huh. But it was something. But it was <laughs> like a um, it was a spore. It was a um, yeah. It was like a mildew type thing. Mm hmm. Anyway, I might need powdery mildew. They have different names for it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's true. Um, that's it might pro- just have been a very specific version of it. Yeah. It looks like, when you first see it, it looks like somebody, like, ashed a cigarette on a leaf or something, or, like, just blew a smoke ring. You get, like, a little smoky gray-looking ring. And you can take your finger, and, and it wipes right off. Oh, and then you and just... That's, oh, and that's powdery mildew. And then once you see it on the leaf... It's in the plant, and it shows up on the leaf after it's been going for a while. And then when you first get it, you get rid of that leaf, and you think you're okay, because you don't see it anywhere else, and you don't realize that it's already in the plants. And then every day, you come back in the next day, and there's four leaves like that. You get rid of the next day, it's ten leaves like that. And then you just keep going, doing whatever you can, and then like by the end, like you might have buds with crystals on them, and by the end, the spores get all over the crystals, and your buds don't have crystals anymore. They're not shiny or sticky anymore. It's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it does sound horrible. Yeah. Because it's it's two months, right? Yeah. It's a lot of work. And powdery mildew is weird, too, because like bugs is... The thing I don't like about powdery mildew is it can just like appear. You can have everything right, everything can be going good, and powdery mildew can like happen. But <laughs> <laughs> like bugs, <laughs> you know, you gotta bring the bug in. You kill the bugs, you got no bugs, you got no bugs, but you can bring a bug in, but it's not just gonna all of a sudden become inundated with bugs when they're all big and strong and you're about to harvest. But the powdery mildew can happen like that. It's so I treat for it. I spice creep organically so I don't have to spray the nasty stuff and spray a lot of compost teas and that. Oh yeah, that's, is that what you're making out there? That's what I have brewing out there, yeah, compost tea. What is that? Explain that. Compost tea. Compost tea is just like a living, basically your spray, it's like living um, microbial, it's all microbes and 
you get it on the leaves, you spray it and you water it in, but you spray it on the leaves and all of the microbes go after, um, they make it impossible for the powdery mildew to, they don't kill powdery mildew if you have powdery mildew, but if you do not have powdery mildew, it will keep it away. <laughs> That's good to prevent it, right? Yeah. But the compost tea, yeah, it just helps with nutrient uptake, you water it into, and it just, the roots love getting the compost tea, because it's just like fresh, living dirt that you're giving them. Mm-hmm. And it really helps them uptake the nutrients that you're giving them, the rest of your nutrients. <laughs> uh, so, at this point, when did it, when did the price start coming down? Well, it took a nosedive this fall. Just this fall? Yep. From, you were at 2,400 pounds? Well, no, it went down to two last year, a year and a half ago. Last fall was the first fall that it was legal for recreational, but um, I think this fall was the first fall that they, all of the recreational shops were really like full go. And they had a real good year harvest, and um, so the shops, everybody was just inundated once all the outdoor came down this fall. And that's when the prices took a nosedive off the cliff. <laughs> are shops closing down? Shops are not in so much trouble. The farms. Yeah. Are they closing up? Uh, I have heard that some are failing. Yeah, I don't know. You probably just don't want to hear about them anymore, right? Yeah. And you don't know if they're if they're doing well or not. Yeah, but just I, I mean I know that very few of them are doing well. I know most they're all doing pretty. They're all having a hard time right now. Some more than others. Did you say earlier eighty percent cannabis is leaving? Like the, the state of Oregon can't consume as much as it's yeah. I forget the exact number, but it's something huge like that. Yeah, there's just way too much weed being made here that. It's either a rotting or leaving. Yeah, and that's that's number um that's in the coal memo of saying that feds are going to come down on your state if you let it cross the borders. Yeah, so here you come, Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I know. The, yeah, Nebraska. I think what's going to happen first is going to be Nebraska and uh, uh, Colorado. Because Nebraska's really putting up a stink and they're complaining that all the cannabis... being driven through their country. I mean, yeah. their state. Uh-huh. Yeah. All, they're saying they're finding all this cannabis from Colorado and Nebraska and it's your fault because you're letting it happen, federal government and all this stuff. Oh, so they've sued... They've, I think they're trying to sue it in federal court and stop doing it. So. See, I wonder what's going to happen with that. That's going to create a backlash where... It, speeds up the federal approval process or will it slow it down? I don't know. I hope it speeds it up. Yeah. We gotta hope it does that, right? That it yeah. Just does, um, yeah, that it... That... Because it kind of is right that, you know, it's it's illegal federally. Mm-hmm. And you almost have to expect that they're gonna try to crack down on it, but let's just go. Let's just make it nationally. Yeah. Nice. Some states can handle it. Yeah. They probably be so crazy. Yeah. It's pretty cool letting each state live decide. I like that. It is. I just wish there was a way to keep the big corporations out of it. The big... It has to be done at the state level. Yeah. At the state level, all the new states, if there's anyone out here that listens to this, 
<laughs> Anyone out there in any other state that's becoming legal, you gotta stay small, right? Yes, stay small. And have tons of mom and pops. Yes. It makes more business for people. It makes more. It keeps. It keeps cash in the communities. Yeah, exactly. It keeps cash. Yeah, it keeps everything local. Yeah. And not one person is making all the money. Yep. It's a lot of people yep. making everybody, money. and everybody gets to make more money too. Yeah, why? It gets more evenly spread out. The East Coast is not doing it that way. No, I don't know what it's gonna. I mean, I can tell what it's gonna be like there. It won't be. I think that is a real. I mean, what do you think the limit should be? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I would love if. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody should have more than like. Well, you see, a hundred lights is a big operation. How about what you can do by yourself? Because shit, what you're you're doing your operation by yourself, right? Yeah. And what is your square feet of your operation? Oh, uh, four and change, four hundred and change. And you are doing that, hundred percent yourself. Yes. You are trimming it all yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing it all yourself, doing mm-hmm. all the cloning, doing yeah. doing all the nutrients. And how what's a how much do you get on a harvest? Uh, about twelve pounds. Twelve pounds of harvest. And four times a year. Yeah. Would you say it's five how much could you do by yourself? Could you do much more? Um Could you do double that? Could you do a thousand? Could I do a, a thousand what? A thousand square feet. Because right now you say you're about four hundred square feet, right? Could I? I could, yeah, I could. It would be hard, but I could. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. So do you think it's fair to limit everyone to a thousand square feet? Would that be a good starting place? Or a good stopping place? Yeah, I would say like 50 lights. I think 50 lights would be... So you cap it by lights? Yeah, cap it at the lights. Why lights? Oh, I don't know, just because it's easier for me to think about it. Okay. <laughs> That's just me. That's just me in this conversation. How many lights do you have? Twelve. So, cap it at fifty. Yeah. Like so I said, that would be big. I'm just saying that's, you know, that's still really big, but, like, I think now they have just, I don't know how big they are, but I think they've got monstrous, you know, several hundred, like, operations. But that's not doing it by yourself. No, that's, no, that's corporate, yeah. That's no, pretty that's, impressive doing that by yourself, man. Yeah. For a square feet, and just doing all the trimming by yourself. Yeah, that's when the biggest pain in the butt. What do you do while you're trimming? Just music? Yeah, music. What I hate most about doing it all myself is just like the cleaning. I don't like cleaning up. Which, which all the part? weed, all the weed work I love. <laughs> I hate cleaning up. Like when I harvest, I gotta empty all the fucking pots. I gotta get rid of all the dirt. I gotta clean all the walls, clean everything. And I hate that. And then, and then bringing all the new dirt and getting all the new and you know, doing all the transplanting. I don't mind the transplanting so much, but all that other stuff is what I don't like. <laughs> you get it done, huh? How long yeah, does it take you to get all that done? Like a week or? Yeah, about a week. Yeah. And then you get to grow again. Yeah. Really small underground growers I talk to, they don't have time for vacation, huh? Not much. Of like, mine. do you do you ever do vacations in between your heart in between your grows? I try to get away for like little trips, you know, three, four day, five day trips. Right between your harvest and your next grow. Yeah, usually like after your 
after I'm done with everything, all my harvest, all the work's done, and the room is reset, getting ready to go again. That is when I can usually get away for a few days. That's when the plants need the least care. That's when I can like really water them, get them good and heavy, and then they're good for a few days. Uh, right when it's all gone. But then you're probably anxious to get back home after those three days. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're always wondering, <laughs> worried. What's going on? But, uh, yeah, like now, you know, once they're big like this, now they gotta go get watered every other day, so it's not good to leave then. good yeah so he takes care of you now you found your your niche yeah how long do you, what's the future do not know but I think I've got like a couple of years at least will you stay in uh, cannabis or will you move to another state and do it there fresh no uh, I'll I'll just, once I can't do it for a living anymore, I'll always do it for myself. And, uh, you know, I'll just get, get back out there. Yeah, I guess so. This is just what you're doing now. Yeah. Until you can't do it anymore. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's right. So I think I can, you know, couple, I can hang on for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And then just... Just enjoying life. And I'm ready to hang on for the next 20 years if I can. But, um... Right. If I can keep doing it until I retire, that's great. I don't see that happening, though. <laughs> it just, it's just... It's like making the small... Like having a strawberry stand. Yeah. Selling corn on the side of the road, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, I, wanna, I do want to give a little... We'll stand at the farmer's market because we have all this room here with the, you know, for the vegetables. I'll um, get a farmer's market stand next to you. Yeah, try to see how that goes. I mean, I know we can't make a lot of money at that, but I think if we can just do enough different things like that, bring in different money, and that'll bring in money's good. And keep us from getting. Neither one of us want to go out and get regular jobs again. <laughs> I yeah. It's, it's lucky to be, not have to have a regular job. Yeah, and we work too. It's weird. I, even though we don't, like I work more now than I've ever worked in my life, but I don't have a regular job. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, will you, you succeed or fail based on yourself? Yeah. Not someone else's telling you what to do or... Yeah. 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 You found a way to make money. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, in a legal state, it'd have to be yeah, a wreck. Uh, man, just gotta keep it small. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep, keep it small. Keep it small. the cannabis size down. Because it's gonna be better cannabis for people mm. than this big, definitely outdoor stuff. Yeah. 
people. And it's going to be cooler people, your local people, like you were just saying, it's going to be your local. When you have these big companies doing this, you're not hitting your local guys. There's motherfuckers no. from another state coming in. Right, that have imported someone to hold a license and they're paying someone to hold it. Yeah. Definitely. And like you're saying, people train, going to other states. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, they, and there's a lot of uh, Canucks actually. I've been hearing about a lot of Canucks trying to get in down here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Uh-oh. Maybe they're just trying to learn it before it becomes legal there. Yeah, maybe. Or I just think it's just big money guys just looking wherever they can to make money in any state with the you know with weed. And they just want to get one. A new gold mine. And they're just gold rush. Trying to like I told you, this company Shango. Trying to get in the other states, I guess that's what these big companies, that's the goal of them, of the first, you know. Yeah, someone's got to do it, right? Multiple states. Or it wouldn't wouldn't exist. And that's how they're going to get their brand, their national brand. and Bigger, bigger, bigger. Once that starts happening, then it's going to be hard to stop it. So I just hope it takes a long time. We are enjoying such a golden age. It just feels so good. Yeah. (laughs) It's <laughs> so amazing that yeah. it gets to happen. Yeah. Any other story you want to say before I stop this and we move on? Um, no, I. You, t- you could. Uh, I would be. Inter- you could call me back. You know, from once you get back home, and we could do this again. We could maybe an update. Update, yeah, update. Definitely. And I could be, I could do a better, I could be a better interview. I feel like I wasn't a good interview. Well, <laughs> 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 oh, I no, no, you were great. <laughs> no, I think I'll be good. Thank you so much for agreeing to it. Just yeah. From the Oregonian, January 10th, 2017. Oregon proposes new rules for medical marijuana production. Oregon's medical marijuana advocates say the state's proposed rules for production impose expensive and unnecessary burdens on growers and will ultimately harm patients who rely on the drug to cope with a wide range of health problems. The Oregon Health Authority's draft rules set to take effect March 1st are part of a sweeping law passed last year that regulates Oregon's cannabis industry. The proposed requirements represent regulators' efforts to put some checks on medical marijuana production in a state where growers have operated largely without oversight for more than a decade. The rules call for round-the-clock security, regular reports to the health authority about how many plants a grower has and where their harvest ended up. The health authority also may inspect grow sites with more than a dozen plants or those selling marijuana to processors or dispensaries. Growers who plan to move cannabis into the dispensary market or those who grow for more than two patients or for a patient who doesn't live on the property are most affected by the proposed rules. Patients who grow their own medical marijuana or those who grow for one other person on their property also face new requirements, though they are not as extensive. Many in Oregon's medical marijuana community have pressed the state to delay implementing the rules until next year. They argue that the health authority has not notified growers of this particular changes that impact them and that those who do know about the rules don't have enough time to comply. 
Most growers and patients have no idea about this yet, said Cedar Gray, a Williams grower with the Oregon Sun-Grown Growers Guild, which represents outdoor growers in southern Oregon, and it completely changes the program. Senator Prozansky, Democrat Eugene, a staunch advocate of the state's medical marijuana program, blasted the health authority in an interview Thursday with the Oregonian, saying the agency has run amok. The proposed rules are a direct assault on the medical marijuana program and the small family farm, said Prozansky. Prozansky, co-vice chair of the legislature's joint committee of implementing Measure 91, said the law passed last year related to marijuana regulation included provisions intended to address two problems, exploitation of the program by out-of-staters and the so-called card stacking, a common practice that involves growers amassing multiple patient cards to legitimize large-scale grow operations. As a result, new plant limits and residency requirements were included in the law. But he said lawmakers did not intend for the health authority to issue detailed security and water use rules for small-scale growers. He said lawmakers are likely to try to address what he sees as problems with the proposed rules during the upcoming session that begins Monday. Andre Orso, manager of the Health Authority Medical Marijuana Section, said he couldn't speak to the legislature's intent in crafting the marijuana provisions. He defended the new security rules as part of an effort to protect growers from theft and other potential criminal activity at grow sites. We are a public health agency, he said. We are concerned with the Oregonians' overall health and safety. That is the angle they were coming from. Among new requirements. Record keeping. Growers must establish online accounts with the health authority where they are required to file monthly reports on the number of plants they have, their harvests, and how much they transferred overall to dispensaries and patients. Reporting requirements. Medical marijuana growers producing cannabis for dispensaries, more than two patients or patients who live off property, must track their use of pesticides and fertilizers. They are required under the draft rules to list the names of products they use, the dates they use them, the names of those who applied them, and how much was used. Those records must be kept for two years. Plant limits. Starting March 1st, medical marijuana growers who grow in residential areas within city limits can have up to a dozen plants. If the site isn't a residential zone or is outside of semi limits, then growers are allowed up to 48 plants. Grandfathered grow sites. Some medical marijuana producers may be eligible to have more plants depending on the number of patients who were on their rolls January 1st, 2015. Those limits are capped at 24 plants for people living in residential areas within a city and 96 for those outside of those areas. Residency requirements. For the first time, the Oregon legislature has imposed a residency requirement for growers and patients. People registered as growers on or before January 1st, 2015 must prove they lived in the state for the past year. Otherwise, they must show proof that they lived in Oregon for the previous two years. Patients also must be Oregon residents. Water rights. The proposed rule requires that growers have water rights for irrigation or nursery use and that they have legal authorization to use the water. Under provision of last year's landmark marijuana regulatory law, growers may be reimbursed by patients for their labor, something previously not allowed. That change, health authority officials said, means marijuana production becomes a commercial enterprise, which subjects growers to existing water laws that they haven't been subjected to before, health authority spokesman Jonathan Modi said. Security. Growers must install round-the-clock camera surveillance with video backup for two years. The system must be equipped with motion sensors. Cannabis must be stored in a locked safe or vault. Orso said growers may apply for waivers for the security requirement. He said growers may cite cost and practicality as reasons for the request. This all happened in Oregon.
coming soon to Alaska, coming soon to a state near you. How are states going to regulate? Are they going medical first, recreational first? It's up to you guys. I work more now than I've ever worked in my life. I love it. Hopefully there will always be the boutique grower. Hopefully there will always be a, a space for us. Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon. Help support the show financially at patreon.com slash midtoker. Here's Token. Oh, yeah.